Are you a list person? Maybe you are blessed by living with a list person. I know my wife is. Now, you used to be able to tell a list person because you could simply look at their fridge and there on their fridge would be a lot of post-it notes, maybe even inside the fridge. Or if you worked with a list person, you could tell by looking at their computer monitor because all the post-it notes. Now, things have gone high-tech now because you can now make lots of lists and keep them on the, on the cloud. And then you can share them across your devices and other people, you can share your lists with them. Isn't it a wonderful thing, technology? However, the, the problem with list people is they don't notice the blank looks on the non-list lovers' faces as we explain the joys of bullet points and checked boxes. Now, did you know that there are lists in the Bible? It kind of makes list lovers quite smug to know that there are lots of lists in the Bible, and I'm sure that you've come across them and read them intently, or maybe skipped over them, I'm not really sure. I have a good friend who's just about to start a preaching series through the book of Joshua. In my opinion, he'd be one of the best expository preachers that I listen to, who can take a book like Joshua and just open it up chapter by chapter, week by week. And so I said to my friend, what are you going to do about those rather tedious lists at the back end of Joshua? Of which he replied, that's why I'm calling it Highlights in Joshua, to which I replied, coward. <laughs> now, I'm not a coward, and so today we're going to look at a list, a list found in the book of Hebrews, a list that brings both encouragement, but is also a little scary, one that I hope that uh, Sandra and St. Columba, as they enter a new phase of ministry, will be a real help to you, and Catherine as well, as you start with presbytery as well. Now, a brief background about the book of Hebrews. It was written mainly to Jewish Christians facing persecutions for their faith in Christ. Now, this persecution brought a strong pressure to return back to their Jewish ways. They were Jewish folk who'd become Christians, and because of their persecution, there was a temptation to go back to worshipping in the temple and to offering sacrifices because in New Testament days, Jewish folk were always exempt from persecution. They had special privilege, not so Christians. And so the author writes, and he says, let us not drift away. Let us not turn away. Let us not throw away our faith. Instead, as a pastor encouraging his flock, the author exhorts his reader. Instead, he says, Approach the throne of grace with confidence. Hold on unswervingly. Let us not give up meeting together. And the way to do this, to hold on unswervingly, is to keep looking to Christ. Early on, the, book, the author of Hebrews says, to let us fix our eyes on the one who gave his all for us. And so the book of Hebrews, if we were to go to chapter 1, starts by reminding the readers that Jesus is greater than the angels. And then the author goes and says, Jesus is even greater than Moses. And in the middle part of the book of Hebrews, the author reminds the readers, the listeners, that Jesus is even more important than the high priest who is offering the most important sacrifice of atonement year by year 
in the temple in Jerusalem. And all these things, Jesus is more important. And that brings us to the end of chapter 10. And then chapter 11. If you're a listophile, chapter 11 must be one of the best chapters in the Bible. Because it is a long list of the heroes of the Jewish faith. A list that starts off with Abel and then moves to Abraham and to Joseph and to Moses, the heroes of the faith, where the author reminds us that these heroes did not drift away, they did not turn away, and they did not throw away their faith, even when they were persecuted. So we're going to come towards the end of that list and pick it up from verse 32. What more shall I say? I do not have time to tell you about Gideon, Barak, Samson, Japheth, about David, Samuel, and the prophets. Now it appears that the author's reached the stage where he hasn't got enough room in his scroll to write a paragraph about each of these heroes. He's going to have to condense to compress his lists. So instead of going blow by blow through the book of Judges, he just gives us some highlights. Gideon, Barak, Samson, and Japheth. And then he moves on to Samuel. Samuel, the greatest of all of the judges, and then we have David, the second king. And he wants to talk about more heroes. He wants to talk about Isaiah and Jeremiah and Ezekiel and all the prophets, but again, he hasn't got room. So he condenses that down just to, and the prophets. He's doing well for a listophile. Now this is where I think the list gets tremendously interesting, challenging, and a little bit scary. I'm going to read the final part of the list in Hebrews, and I want you to see if you can detect the tone, the shift in tone as we move through this last part of the last part of the list. Verse 33: Who through faith conquered kingdoms, administers justice, and gained what was promised, who shut the mouth of lions. I wonder if you know who that was, who quenched the fury of the flames. Maybe you remember the story about those three friends. And escaped the edge of the sword, whose weaknesses was turned to strength, and who became powerful in battle, and routed foreign enemies. A woman received back their dead and raised to life again. There were others who were tortured, refused to be released, so that they might gain an even better resurrection. Some faced jeers and floggings and even chains and imprisonments. They were put to death by stoning. They were sawn in two. They were killed by the sword. They went about in sheepskin, destitute, persecuted and mistreated. The world was not worthy of them. They wandered in the deserts and mountains, living in caves and holes in the ground. Did you notice the change? Did you notice the shift of tone? Did you notice that the heroes of the faith moved from being victorious to being beaten? Did you notice when they were moved from being rescued to being captured, to being saved, to being killed? One was even sawn in two. Jewish tradition tells us that was the prophet Isaiah. It's not in the Bible, but Jewish tradition tells us that Isaiah was sawn in two under the wicked king Manasseh. Goodness me. Bit of a scary list, isn't it? And there's such a stark contrast. Let's just pick two of the heroes of the faith and, and look at them con- briefly. Let's look first at Daniel, where it says in the list, reminding us that he was saved from mouths of lions. 
Daniel was a prophet. He was held in high regard by God's people. In fact, they held him in awe because he was rescued from the den of lions. And not just God's people. He had the ear of the king. He had the respect of the palace. Even those people outside the kingdom of God respected Daniel. And Daniel's ministry ended on a high. Well, let's compare that with someone else on the bottom half of that list. What about Jeremiah, where we were told on that list that he was placed in chains? Now, Jeremiah was also a prophet. A prophet. And people would often come to him and say, Jeremiah, tell us God's word. And he would. And they would say, nah. <laughs> tell us something we want to hear. And he'd say, no, this is God's word. So they'd throw him in prison and put him in chains or worse. And I don't know if you know how Jeremiah's ministry ended, but it was nothing like Daniel's. He was kidnapped by God's people against his will, taken to Egypt, where again they said, tell us God's word. And he did, and they ignored him. And that's how his ministry ended. Now I have a couple of questions. Which ministry, Daniel's or Jeremiah's, which ministry did God's people consider more successful? What do you think? What about those people outside God's people? You know, the nation's looking on. They knew about Daniel, they knew about Jeremiah. Which ministry would they consider more successful? I suppose most important, the third question, which ministry would God consider most important, Daniel or Jeremiah? And the answer from God's point of view, I'm sure, is that well, both. Because both suffered for their faith and both refused to drift away, to turn away or throw away their faith. This is why they are both on this list. And both of them are held up as our example. And this brings us to the application. Sandra, like each one of us here, God is calling you to be faithful and not to drift away, not to fall away and not to turn away from your faith. And the same for you, Catherine, in the new role that you're coming to, to not to fall away, not to drift away, not to turn away from your faith. And my prayer for both of you, and I'm sure the prayer of everyone in this room, is that your ministries will be on the top half of the list, that you'll have ministries like Daniel, where God's people will listen to you. That's a subtle hint, by the way, St. Columba. <laughs> that God's people will listen to you. And you will have the respect of the community around you, the wider community, the secular community. That's our prayer for you this morning. Uh, but do you know each one of us, and not just ordained ministers, and not just those that are in ministry, but every one of us, we have to realise that some of us will be on the bottom half of the list. And sometimes we don't get to choose. Sometimes, as we serve God, not just in formal ways, but as we serve God in our families, with our friends, in the workplace, in the school, sometimes we will be in the top half of that list. But each one of us needs to be prepared to find ourselves in the bottom half of that list. And so this is why this list is a wee bit scary. It's a wonderful challenge. Now either way, whether our ministry is on the top or the bottom half of this list, 
we are asked, God commands that we refuse to drift away, turn away, or walk away from our faith. And the way we do that is we cling to Jesus Christ. We cling to our Saviour and Lord. And you see, these chapter markings here are arbitrary. The author of Hebrews didn't decide he would finish the list there and then start chapter 12. He just continues all the way through. And therefore, he commands us to fix our eyes on Jesus, the author and the perfecter of our faith. This is the secret. This is the challenge to each one of us. Whether we find ourselves on the top half or the bottom half of that list, to fix our eyes on Jesus. Just a few verses before, he says this. Therefore, let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles. And let us run with perseverance the race marked out for us, fixing our eyes on Jesus, the author and perfecter of our faith. For the joy set before him, he endured the cross, scorning its shame, and sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. And that's how we remain faithful. And that's how we don't drift away, fall away, or walk away from our faith as we fix our eyes on Jesus, the author and the perfecter of our faith. And that joy that was set before Christ can be ours as we cling to him and make him our Lord and Saviour above all else. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for the heroes and the faith that we find in chapter 11 of Hebrews. And thank you that each one of them, in the face of difficulty, in the face of doubt and persecution, they clung to you. And we pray that each one in this room will cling to Christ, looking to him, the author and perfecter of our faith, that no matter what comes our way, Lord, whether they be joys or sorrows, that we may give you all the glory. We pray this through Christ our Lord. Amen.